Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, Clocks on the Stove. We have a special edition podcast today, you know, as Zach brought it up to me. It is international, I don't know if it's international or national women's history month. And international. In on- international women's history month. And in order to, you know, show our support for that, we were like, let's bring on a stud woman athlete. And we did that here today. Your usual host, myself, Grayson Fisher, with me, my one and only Mr. Blonde hair, blue eyed demon, Zach Watts, and arguably one of the best players at Stetson for all sports, Miss <laughs> Lauren Hobbs, softball pitcher at Stetson University. Lauren, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. No, yeah, this is, I mean, first of all, you're killing it. I believe you're seven and two right now as a starter. Your team's looking. Unfortunately, yeah, I just got my second loss. <laughs> hey, it happens, man. People yeah. lose part of sports, but good thing for you is you guys are on a tear right now. I mean, you beat Georgia at Georgia. You beat South Carolina at South Carolina. Both wins went to you. Congratulations on that. And if Thank I'm not you. mistaken, I believe your brother told me you were conference athlete of the week last week for softball. Yeah, I was. So they do two athletes. They do pitcher and player. Um, so I was the pitcher of the week last week. Awesome. When, they say, when they say player, are they just like referencing hitters or like? Yeah, hitters, uh, de- defensive player. Yeah, so now just... usually it's hitters. Yeah, I know for uh, softball, because this is a little different than baseball, do you guys carry um, defensive-only players, or, like, how does that work? Because I know in baseball we don't really have people that only play the field, but I know some schools carry, like, defensive-specific players. Does Stetson carry that at all? Yeah, so we we don't have a pitcher that hits, so we're just defensive players. Um, unfor- I mean, if we have a player that comes in, like, we do have – um, one of our players, she would pitch for us last year. She hasn't got on the mound this year, but she she's a utility. So she pitches, she hits. Um, she's primarily been playing third base this, um, this year. So, yeah, so, I mean, it can happen, but just with the pitchers that we've recruited, just uh, POs, pitcher only. There's no oh. – I'm sorry to interrupt. If I'm not mistaken, in college, there's no uh, – you know, like in baseball, is, uh, what's it called? Some, the one side oh, – I sound so stupid right now. One of the conferences, the pitchers hit and one they don't. That doesn't happen. Like, in college like the at national, all, right? yeah, no, not not. I don't. I don't think if I'm if I'm correct for college baseball, it's not like that. But in softball, it's not like that at all. You don't have to. You're not required to. There's nothing that says that you can't or can. So it's just kind of depending on the player. Now, how many pitchers are you carrying on your roster currently? Because I know for baseball, you kind of have to carry a decent amount of your staff because of. I guess our motion's a little more taxing on the rotator cuff, oh, yeah. Tommy John. But for pitchers, you guys can literally go out there every day, if I'm not mistaken, because there's no, like, limiting on innings. It's a natural, mo- natural, nat- natural motion. That's what I yeah, – when absolutely. I tore my labrum, that's what they told me. Yeah, this is it unnatural. Is. This is natural. Yeah, so we – pitchers are in softball, we're told we throw every day. Um, I mean, you have like, obviously we have off days, so you could choose to throw that day or you could choose to not, obviously that would be on your own time and not with your coach. So since it is so natural and you kind of just get in the rhythm of like, when you, you constantly do it, your arm doesn't get as sore as it would if you, you know, take a long break. So, uh, we have right now four on staff, four and a half, if you're going to count, um, my one teammate, but she hasn't thrown this, this season. So we have four right now. Last season, I threw 156 innings, 154 innings, um, which is which is a lot. It was something that I was 
wasn't used to because it was my second year and we only had half a season my freshman year. So we only had 30 games my freshman year. And then um, because of COVID, it got cut short. So then my sophomore, we had 50 something games. So, so yeah, it was it was pretty intense. But, you know, a lot of people, they say like, you know, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, how are you throwing that much? Like your arms probably hurting so bad. And I'm like, it's actually funny because it's not my arm. It's my body that gets tired. Like it's my whole body. Because, you know, with pitching, like you have to use your whole body. It's not just your arm. So, yeah, so, like, I mean, my arm is just, like, like you said, Grayson, it's just natural. So, um, yeah, just, like, normal soreness, but more body. So, we have four on staff. So, you brought up kind of, like, your whole body being sore. Because I know, for me as a pitcher, you know, you get finished. You tend to just ice your arm. You don't really ice your whole body unless you're doing, like, an ice bath. So, what are you primarily trying to, like, rest before you go into your next day? Like, what are you technically trying to recover from since you're technically, like, taxing your whole body in a sense? Like, what's the most, I guess, taxed or like fatigued after a day's worth of pitching? I'd assume it'd have to be like your hips and lower back, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I actually have my freshman year. Uh, I, I played in a college summer league. So um, obviously I was pitching year round mm-hmm. and doing, you know, season. And over the summer, I actually had a herniated disc and I obviously still do because, um, you know, that never goes away. So I have a herniated disc in my L1 and then I have a bulging disc. So I, you know, constantly still have that. I'm like not allowed to deadlift, like probably for the rest of my yeah, life. I would never do that. Yeah. And so it was, so that is like what, you know, was my most like common thing where it's just, I'd feel it the next day, like, man, my back's really hurting. Like, you know, so I'll go in, do rehab or, um, so something a lot, you know, it's a hit or miss with ice. Like some people do ice, some people, you know, like ice, but I personally don't like icing my arm. I actually can't remember the last time I have iced my arm. Um, I usually do heat and like STEM and I'll do rehab. Like if, if I'm super sore, like I want to throw the next day because like I'll lose, it loosens it up a little bit more. So I'll usually do like heat I'll do, um, STEM or I'll just do like, we'll do like milking massage. Um, or we have like compression sleeves. I was going to so, say, yeah. What about compression? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's if I could pick anything, I would do compression sleeves. We have compression legs. So I do the compression legs. We even have a compression hips like over your glutes and your hips and so oh, i damn. use that yeah so that's like super nice and super helpful so have you done uh, the uh oh, what the hell is it called i feel like as soon as we started the podcast my brain went empty uh <laughs> it's like it's like the 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 chamber thing the, the what are they called yeah yeah the uh yeah some chamber yeah something yeah, like that. Chamber. Actually, yeah 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 i've never actually done that we don't have that here at stetson but we could we we could probably get it done if we wanted to but i've actually never used that that is, I'd, I'd like to know how my body yeah, feels so after I, that. I'm an, I, I don't know if you know, I'm an MMA fighter. So like mm-hmm. my taking care of my body, I, I mean, my trainer, I've been with my trainer this is going on to my ninth year with him. So like, he knows my body, like as well as I know my body, but he always preaches taking care of your body and body, like recovery is just as important as strengthening your body, you know? And That's you see right. all these time people just doing like, especially in this like weird, like social media world we live in, like stupid workouts. And I'm just like, the, the amount of benefit you're getting isn't nowhere near the amount you're harming yourself. So I'm always Absolutely. constantly, I mean, every single day, even if it's just like rolling out my feet with a lacrosse ball or just stretching my shoulders out with a exactly. band, always doing something. And funny story about the cryo. So last year I was a, a high school wrestling coach when I was down in my senior year at, at FAU. And one of the guys I coached with, he is a, a nurse. And one once a week, I think it was like every other week on a Sunday, he worked at a cryo place. And he was like, dude, I got you come in for free. Everything I did, like I did compression. I did like the leg sleep compression and I did the red light therapy, which 
not trying to be a hater. I just don't really understand how that <laughs> works. A lot of people like live by it. I don't really understand it. It's just a red light. But the last thing was the cryo or Cairo, whatever the hell it's called. And I was super excited. And I got like my mask thing on. I got like the the ear mitts on, the gloves. Like I'm just in my underwear, like at this hallway of this building with all this <laughs> stuff on. And right before we do it, I'm like, yo, we gotta take a picture. So we go to take a picture with it. It's me, my my buddy that works there, and then some other athlete that was there who was also gonna do it. I was gonna like jump in with him. And my buddy goes to put his arm around the kid and hits the emergency shutoff button. And it shuts it off. And it's not like it's not like an on and off button where it just turns right back on. Like it completely shuts yeah. off the system and it alarms like the, the owners and stuff. So it took them three days to like get it back and everything. And he was like, Oh my God. No. It was like one of the most uncomfortable situations I was ever in. And I was so upset because like we got the picture and I didn't even get to go in it. I didn't yeah. Dang. So you didn't even, you were, you were in it, but then you literally didn't even get yeah, it. Wow. But I was like, Come on. I always, I've only yeah. heard good things about it. And you go in for like five minutes. It's like super quick. What is it like? Yeah. Negative 200 something degrees. Yeah, it's supposed like- to be like ice bath on steroids. But I like that you brought that up too, Lauren. I hate icing. I, yeah. And there's that that rice method that's like, what is it? Like rest, ice, compression, it's elevation. Mm-hmm. Elevation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the guy that wrote it in like 15 years later, something went back and stated that like he's incorrect. And he talks about like how motion and movement is more important mm-hmm. for recovery than, than stillness and icing. And I always tell like, I'm a, I'm a wrestling coach too. And I tell my kids, I'm like, when you hurt something, don't ice it. It's better to use it thirty percent and stretch it than to ice yeah, it. Yeah, I'm slowing down the blood flow. Yeah, I'm constantly stretching. Like, I mean, like there, like if I even with this like my back, like even if I sleep wrong, like I'm like, I, like I could sleep wrong and it hurts. So like I have to always constantly stretch, always like cracking my back, always making sure I'm doing that. And I will, I uh, I will say like I do ice. So I had another injury that I kind of just like um due to myself it's just like constant so I the way I pitch um when you come down you snap down to like snap your hand over I bang my elbow against my hip and that's very common like some pitchers like yeah, can so get away with like it and they do it, right? it. Yeah. yeah and so some pitchers will get away with it and it not hurt not pro- not have a problem with it but it was, it's been really weird since ever since last year I started doing it and you know, I've always had like, sometimes I'd, you know, next day I'd have bruising on my hip and my hip would be kind of be like hurting. Um, never had a problem until last year I was in games and I started getting bruising on my elbow and it started swelling like really bad in my hip too. And I, you know, went to my trainer and I'm like, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but like something is, and I don't know what I'm doing. Cause I, I mean, I'm throwing really well. I'm feeling really good, but like all of a sudden this is just starting to happen. And so I was actually playing, we were playing Ohio state I had to go in for relief and I was doing really well. Like I had no runs, no hits. I we were, I was holding them down. Like I had two innings in and I was on the mound. And that was like, I literally had to, I had to, I had to look at my coach and be like, I cannot throw anymore. And as soon as I got off the mound, my entire arm swelled up. This was last like, year, right? Yeah. So like my entire hand, my entire arm, my elbow, it was just like balloon. Like it, they, I mean, I, I heard I was the Michelin man. I was Popeye. I was, you know, hangry help, uh, hamburger helper. I was it all like I, and it was insane. And I did actually, I do have to constantly now ice that, you know, mm-hmm. if it swells up, but I had to start wearing an, a compression sleeve with a pad. And um, so, yeah, so I had to start doing that. And that's, I do now ice when it comes to that, if it starts swelling or if it's bruising. So like when I'm in, like in a lot of pain, I will ice. But other than that, I'm like, no ice. Do you think, like one of the causes for why it's starting to hurt more now is maybe your, I guess, strength training has kind of increased, not the 
well, velocity would be a part of it, but I guess the, I'm trying oh, to you think because she's throwing harder now. Harder, it's yeah. Harder. Yeah. Yeah, I, think... I do. Yeah, I do have to say. So I, I, we had a pitching coach come in last year. Um, he's no longer with us, but you know, he came in and he helped me so much with like he, cha you know, changed my the way I pitched to the point where you know my back wasn't constantly hurting every day. Like you know, I changed my motion, just like little small things. And so, and I also gained speed. So that I think it was just like like a combination of all of that. And since I am a le like left-handed pitcher, my curveball is my best pitch as and I can just snap over and throw it. And I think just like overusing that. And I mean, I throw that 90% of the time. So when you I'm don't constantly give, throwing you don't my have to curveball, give out your strategies right now. You can keep it looking. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, scouting reports are out. It's, 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 a, it's a, every team does it, but, but yeah, so I throw it, you know, a good amount. And so it constantly just over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, so it was just a combination of it all. Dude, that hip bone is no joke, by the way. Right here, those little hip bones. I got my uh, my junior year of high school, I was wrestling uh, my buddy Jacob Dar. He was a senior. And we were practicing, and I shot a double leg on him. And he brought his hips forward to match me, and he knocked wow. me out with his hips. Jeez. He hit me right in the head, and I went out. I woke up on the, I woke up on his ankle because I knocked out. No I dropped, way. and I woke up on his ankle, and I was like, whoa, wait a second. Like, his hip yeah. literally knocked me out. Those bones are sharp, dude. You feel them right there? Yeah. Like little knives. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's like, I mean, every pitcher, I mean, if, if a pitcher were to be like, Oh yeah, that happens. Like we've been there, done that. It's just like, it, it's kind of just one of those things where, you know, you can't do anything about it. So yeah. So I just kind of had to, like, it was, it, I had to make the decision. It was like, whether or not, okay, change my motion or change what I'm doing, stop hitting my hip or kind of find a way to just deal with it. Suck and it so up. I went, yeah, I saw, I went to a doctor and the doctor was like, well, it is what it is. It's going to happen. You're not going to like, get any more pain or anything as long as you just uh kind of relieve that pressure and so that's exactly what we did we just put a pad on it relieve the pressure and so now um like I have to check in with my trainer every either every day or after every weekend and just be like all right hey look at look at my elbow does it look okay be like ah, oh, so this one okay let's do some work on it so so you brought up a little bit about how like your curveball is probably your best pitch so you tend to lean on it more now in baseball we tend to avoid off-speed pitches just because of like injuries and we have to like kind of rely on the fastball would you say for you as a softball pitcher your splits between your off speed and fastball um is more even or what's kind of like i obviously don't want to expose some of your scouts. oh no i no so actually i'm gonna let you in change up is actually my best pitch change up is something that i will throw a lot and so curveball for softball is actually fast so a curveball for us is fastball so my fast my curveball was like between 60 to 63 59 to 63 um and my change up's like 50 50 50 and to 52 is that because it's a rising ball not a dropping ball yeah so I don't know fully how it works but like the way you throw your curveball I think for baseball if I'm it's correct like this, it's right? that way right well for me I had the 12-6 traditionally over the top that was normal but for see it's weird for baseball because I threw three ways I had pitches where I'd come over the top I'd have my three-quarter arm slot and I'd yeah. throw sidearm when I needed to so like I'd only throw sliders out of the, like the sidearm three-quarter slot and then if I wanted to throw my curveball I had to come over the top because for some yeah. unknown reason I just completely sucked when it came to throwing <laughs> any type of off speed from over the top I just could not get it down so I had to like adapt arm angles to pitches rather than mm. adapting pitches to arm angles which sucked Smart. for me but um yeah it's just kind of weird because you know, the whole time I would view softball and go to softball games, I was like, oh, the best pitch has to be the rise ball just because, like, 
I've never seen a rise ball before. And like, it, I could not wrap my mind about seeing a pitch that would start low and end higher than when it started. Like I could not wrap my mind around that. But then I start to see like, Oh, pitchers like to rely more on like, cause you said your curveball is technically faster. So like, does yeah. you not throw sliders at all? Like just sliders. So, yeah. Really- so sliders aren't really a thing. Um, the, the, what would be similar to a slider would be a drop ball, depending on how you throw it. Cause there's a couple different ways you could throw a drop ball. There's like a, you could throw it like a flip over or you could throw it like um, a peel drop. So you're peeling it like that. Um, I throw the flip over. So I kind of just come around and snap over for a curveball. You're going like this, you're snapping over really fast. So it's just like a natural motion, kind of like um, how they would, how you would teach it like to younger kids. Um, kind of how like you're like hitting a towel over, like you're going like that with a towel. So since it's such a fast motion, you're just snapping over it, it just shoots east to west um so that's why like for baseball when you're going like this it's probably a little bit slower this would be like our change up so like i throw a flip change up so flipping it and it kind of just spins and drops down same with me my drop ball it's going that way it's a little bit faster but it's still going down downwards if that makes sense um so yeah it's very it's so different from baseball to softball because like for your screw and your fast you're snapping really hard and I mean, there's a way I have one of my teammates, she throws an off speed curve, which is interesting because she knuckles it and then she snaps it over, which kind of like having putting a knuckle on it kind of slows it down a little bit. Her snaps, her her spins a little bit thicker, faster, and then, but it's, you know, slowed down. So it's interesting. I mean, all different kinds of ways to throw it. Does you, does you being a lefty make you more, oh, I don't want like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, does you being a lefty make you more threatening as a pitcher? Because I know in baseball, it's like, yeah, guys, if I'm wrong, let me know. But righties hit better on righties and lefties hit better on lefties. But there's more right hitters. Oh, it's opposite. Righties so hit better on lefties, lefties. If, if you're a lefty pitcher, you want to face lefties. If you're a so righty you want to target what you're, what you're attacking. Because the reason is, is because the ball coming out of the same side, like you don't want to pick up a pitch that either starts behind you or like the same side as you because it's almost impossible to react inside to inside if you're looking away but like if it's on the other side you can tell if a ball is coming at you like your natural cross yeah yeah it's natural instinct to be like oh that's coming at me like i can react to that but if something starts at you like if if you're lefty obviously you throw your curveball if if that's snapping away from a lefty they're that's gonna be extremely hard to pick up okay yeah i answer my question and like dumb it down a little like does that is it better that you're lefty yes yes for me so for me like obviously when i was going into sports and stuff like you know, for softball, because I know if you talk to Phil, he was a lefty catcher, which is like super rare and Phil like not a, a lot of. Oh yeah, growing up he was a catcher, um, but then well he I did he not know caught, this. He caught both of my brothers did so Phil and Eric. They both caught yeah. left-handed growing up in like little league, and then as Phil went on, he stopped catching and he was just doing he was just playing first base and hitting and pitching. When did Phil um, stop playing baseball? I'm sorry, I know this is about you, but no, 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 no. Um, uh, middle school. Yeah, I think he stopped. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't play in high school. But um, so yeah, so it, lefty catchers are really rare. They don't really recommend them, you know. So I had you know limited. So if I wanted to play softball, I either first base and outfielder or pitcher. And I mean, I love being in center of attention. So I was like, of course, I'm going to start pitching. And but then it was like, you know, as I got on and they're like, wow, you're like pretty decent at it. You could you might be able to do something here. It was like, wow, like this is really rare. And so like it's really rare to have lefty pitchers. There's not that many as a majority. There's more righty pitchers, just as there's not as many lefty hitters as there is righty hitters. So 
from a lefty perspective, when you're throwing to righties, which is 85% of a entire hitting lineup, you're it's hard to see your left the left hand coming at you than it is for the right side as a righty hitter seeing it come at you at all times. So that so makes you're sense. like a non-controllable advantage to an extent. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, in a way, yeah. So like that's why you know in for softball, I mean, this is probably for baseball too, but like you'll see more if you find people, if you find players that are pretty good and you want to make them lefty hitters, like you want to make them lefty hitters. That's like what we find in softball. Like, okay, if you're fast and if you're coachable, like, okay, let's try and switch you to be able to hit left-handed. So I have multiple friends who changed, who had literally switched to slapping and hitting left-handed in high school rather than uh, hitting righty. So if like you asked, if you looked at them and you like asked them to swing right-handed, they would look absolutely silly and ridiculous. Is switching a big thing in softball? Uh, very rare. Like we, I mean, I, I haven't faced, actually I did actually, I faced, I faced one hitter, um, that was a, she was a switch hitter, but she wasn't, she wasn't like, she was decent. I mean, I mean, she was all right, but it was just kind of like, okay, well, like really it's very rare. And so, I mean, yeah, not that many. Yeah. My dad was a, he was a big baseball guy. I never played baseball in my life. Actually crazy. I, I never played baseball. I never played basketball. I think I tried probably every other sport that's like mainstream but i never played baseball i never played basketball but my dad has this like joke because he was a catcher he's like the fastest way to be a professional athlete is be a switch hit catcher he's like mm-hmm. if you can catch and you can swing both sides of the plate he's like it doesn't even matter if you're that good if you're just average yeah. you can go somewhere yeah yeah think- so it's sorry go ahead no i didn't mean to cut you off saying after Oh no, it's just yeah, for softball it's rare to have a lefty hitter, but I mean if they do, you you obviously want to you want to swipe them up so you can see how coachable they can be. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is I don't you don't really see it as much in softball cuz for baseball I I don't know why I ever did this. So I batted righty pretty much my whole life. Got to high school. Sophomore year was like, "All right, if I really want to go to college, I have to like kind of stand out cuz as a lefty, I stuck in the outfield immediately, pitched a little bit, but Found out as a lefty, they were like, why don't you hit lefty? And I was like, um, I only followed what every other kid on my team did growing up, and I never saw a lefty in a hitter. And I was like, well, maybe I should try it. Ended up batting lefty for a year. So sophomore year batted righty, junior year batted lefty, and then senior year switched it. Don't know why I did it. Wow. But then I was, yeah, I was like, that was a terrible idea. Don't know why I did that. Did it for a little in college as well. But What were you better at? naturally I had way more power lefty just because yeah yeah yeah, your backhand you drive a lot but like the problem is I'm I throw left-handed I'm better left-handed but I'm right eye dominant and like Mm. as a lefty if like your right eye dominant is your front eye you're not picking it up as easily so like pitches Mm. that I thought were like two to three inches off the plate were actually like six to eight inches off the plate so my (laughs) pitch selection was terrible and I could not but the only what was your slugging what was your like, slugging you, percentage? You do not want to know. I was more of the, I was the, how you would have in softball as a slap hitter, I would kind of view myself as like, I just had a lot of speed coming out of the box. So that's why I was like, I might as well just hit lefty. Because yeah, we used to I, call Zach white lightning. Because <laughs> I would run like, like borderline, like four flat sub four to first base on the 90 foot base path. And like, that's really good. Like, you could pretty much beat out m- most of your ground balls. Cause like, obviously yeah. I weigh like a buck 40 in high school. I'm not going to hit any home runs, especially on our field. And we can get in our field dimensions later. They were terrible, but I'll get back to the point why I brought this up. You don't really see switchers in softball just because of like 
most lefties are slap hitters, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. You kind of yeah, they're yeah. You would call. So we have a couple of triple threats. So for like, we have a lot. Stetson softball coaches they love we love slappers we love lefty hitters just because you can get away with a lot of small ball so we have a, a bunch of triple threat um, hitters so that means they could slap bunt and hit so if you're a lefty and you could power hit you could power slap and you can bunt the ball and you can run it out like you're golden like you're gonna get on base like so um we have a lot of girls like uh I was we have a sophomore she's uh actually she was hitting 500 but then she um I think she's hitting just below 400 and then our other hitter she's a she's also a triple threat um she's a senior gonna she's gonna take her fifth year but she's a senior I mean they South Carolina all these teams have put this shift on her because with your when you're a triple threat your slappers you're either gonna hit in the five six hole which is between second base and short second no shortstop and third base or you're just gonna poke it down the line South Carolina played this crazy shift on her I'm not I'm not kidding they literally put I mean if I'm correct like they put their right fielder in uh center field they put their center fielder at shortstop they put their left fielder in five six well I mean I'm not I'm not kidding it was actually insane so they, just she ignored, she ignored, they ignored the right side of the field basically literally nobody's on the right side of the field and we had two of our our two triple threats they absolutely made them look silly I mean just absolutely like did a phenomenal job with beating their shift and we had one of our girls she turned on it and took it right side and the left fielder or the right fielder she had to run out and dive to stop the ball from getting past her because it was actually insane so yeah so like being a triple threat in softball is like you're golden you'll you'll go somewhere so that's why it's like if if you're fast they'll switch you to the left side immediately this might sound dumb again so I'm gonna apologize in advance but our so Zach talking about how he was a lefty that's, that prefers to swing righty, right? That's what you were saying, Zach? Is that yeah, a I've... common thing? Like, are there people that, like the, – the way I look at it is when you are when you do MMA, you do boxing, right? Any striking sport, they tell you to put your power in the back because your punch doesn't come from here. It comes from your hip. It comes from the flick of your hip. So if my power is in my back, I get more torque with my power shot, you know? So you'd rather use your 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 weaker side to touch and your back, your back to hit. But then you get – like weird phenomenons like a fighter named Alexander or Alex Pereira where he's a, a righty, but he fights in a lefty stance. So his power's in the front because he believes his hook is more dangerous than his cross. So he purposely does that. Is that like a thing in baseball too? Where like, even though they're, they want the power on the back, they just have a more comfortability with opposite or am I just sound stupid right now? No, not stupid. That's a good question. Yeah, uh, I'll let Lauren touch on this uh, a little bit. But from my perspective, you know, I tend to think of players like Robinson Cano. Um, you know, it, you typically see it more with right-handers batting lefty. You don't see it the other way. Um, and I think the main reason is compared to, like, your hook-to-cross analogy, if you're stronger hand as a right person, like if you right right-handed and you go up there batting, as, as your bottom hand, that's more of your guide hand. So rather than your power hand, you can find more contact easier. It's bottom hand when it's in front, right? Yeah, so your lead hand is closer to the knob. So for me, at least, I always found it easier um, to have my left hand on the bottom batting righty because I could, I always knew my left hand could guide my barrel like any way I wanted it to. Like I could catch, I could pull it inside to catch up to inside pitches. I could throw my hands out and trust that I have enough power in my bottom hand to kind of flick it in the right field if I needed to. So that's what helped me a lot. Um, obviously, vice versa, you know, I had a tougher time like making contact since all my power is on the top of the 
top part of the bat. But I don't, I feel like baseball to softball is a little bit different just because like you tend to think of the left and right side of the plate more like stylistically, like obviously you have your triple threats, you have your slap hitters and right side. You, I mean, I don't know if you technically can't slap hit from the right side. It's just kind of harder. Cause you'd have to like already like move towards first base. You'd be coming across the plate. I've been seeing a lot of issues with um, people getting called out bunting. Cause like if you miss mm-hmm. a step on home plate out immediately, like there's no excuse for that. Yeah. So I, that that's also weird, but I, it's weird because baseball and softball like from just like a visual standpoint look so similar but they so many rules separate oh it's like a different game yeah Yeah, it's like it's almost a different game to an extent yeah Yeah, no totally and I do have to say I think it also depends on the person because like I have teammates who like I'll joke around with them because they'll tell me like oh yeah they they write left-handed but they're right they throw with their right they hit with their right they're dominant with their right but like you know left hand like you know they do everything else left-handed and I said that and I'm like and I'm like you do realize like you know you could do like you could have been a left-handed you know pitcher you could have been a left-handed this and that and I always joke with that because I mean I'm the only left-handed person on my team like full-on like natural lefty do everything left-handed um so I think it depends on the it depends on the person um because like you know if you practice over and over and over and over and over and over again like one way like you're you're naturally going to get stronger you're you're using that muscle and over and over again so like you're naturally going to be more powerful with whatever you're using so I think it just depends on the person like how you said that and it's gonna make me sound like a psychopath but when I was younger I wanted to learn how to start switch dancing when I fought and wrestled I was like I want to be able to, if I'm fighting a guy that's lefty, a match him lefty. I wanted to diversify. And my mom is a special needs teacher. So she teaches high school, but she's really teaching like elementary level education, right? Yeah. So when I was in middle school, I would have my mom bring me home all the homeworks, like the letters and stuff. And I would practice writing with my left hand. Because I was like, if I can just like slowly start getting really good at writing on my left hand, I thought that would translate to everything else. And it didn't translate whatsoever. It was a completely <laughs> failed experiment. But that was my okay. mindset. was like, if I can if I can learn how to, to write left-handed, it should be easy to teach myself how to do everything else. And it didn't work at all. But yeah, I did I did attempt to try to do yeah, both. Totally. Dang, I wish that would have worked. That would have been a cool story. Yeah, it'd been cool, but I failed. So I, failed like, so. <laughs> I mean, I did try something similar, but my issue was I my sophomore year. Um, this is actually why I started batting lefty. I hurt my arm pitching. Like I felt a pop mm. in my elbow and I was so scared that I tore my UCL, but I didn't want to get it checked out because I knew I'd have to sit out for the rest of the year. Didn't want to do it. So I just rested, didn't play anything, but I was like, I have to play baseball. Like I can't just sit around. I yeah. actually learned how to throw up to 90 feet with my right hand, just because I was like, if my arm is completely blown out and I can't use it again. I'm throwing righty. I don't care. Like I was like, you I wouldn't will... pitch, right? You just, you just play. Yeah, no, I actually learned how to play second base. I probably took so many ground balls off the face and the chest, <laughs> just trying to learn how to feel the ball the opposite way. And it was such an awkward learning process because like, <laughs> you would, you would think it's so easy to like, Oh, just like do the same training you've done your whole life with your left side. Just do it on your right. I threw so many balls just directly into the ground or like could not get my release point figured out to save my life but i think after like six months i finally worked up to like throwing 90 feet and then i was like oh i can throw up my left arm again so i'll be fine but i mean and back then you'd never heard of like a switch pitcher but like now you no. see baseball there's switch pitcher like there's a switch pitcher every year playing in the all-star game or like so if you're like, le- pro. yeah i mean like you have shohei otani but i mean he was created in the lab but i mean so if you're lefty <laughs> you're kind of con- like you're somewhat forced to only play what 
right field, right? Right field. You can, you can play you can play all outfield. All outfield yeah, all at first outfield. base. That's pretty much it, right? Or and pitch. pitching, yeah. Yep. Damn. That's because first they like it for first base though, because your gloves on the inside, right? So it's mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So for high school, I did I so long story short, I, you know, growing up like playing travel ball and stuff, when I decided it got to a point where I wanted to like I wanted to play in college. Like that was my goal. Like that was my dream. I wanted to do it. I I had to make the decision to go to a, a coach that was a little bit more competitive. We we're playing bigger teams, you know, girls that were actually committed already and stuff like that. Um like, you know, actually getting recruited from college coaches in front of college coaches. Um, I went and I tried, I tried out for this coach and she looked at me and she, she literally pulled me and my parents aside. And she said, Hey, I want her on my team, but I'm going to let you know, she's not ready yet for pitching. She's not, she's not, she's not quite there. Um, so she could play first and she could hit for me and, you know, she could practice. And if she wants, she, if she wants to stick with pitching, you know, she could set aside and she could do pitching lessons on the side. Um, and then I can maybe reassess after the season, but that's where we are. And so I spent the entire season and it was, I mean, this was like a, such a humbling experience because, you know, say, you come from super humbling. Yeah. You come from, you know, you, you were pitching every game. I pitched six games in a day in a single day. And then I'm coming to this team and like, you're playing with girls who are chucking the crap out of the ball at you. And you're like, what the hell is this? So, and I came and I, you know, was not the best. I was absolutely, I thought I was terrible. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And so I had to practice. I had to play first base. I had to hit, obviously hitting wasn't the best, but like playing first base was also super different just because I was obviously pitching a lot. Um, But yeah, so like, I mean, I learned so much like from playing first base and being there and it's like, it is, it's so much easier. Like my catch, like I had a catcher always tell me it was so much easier for like, you know, for she was throwing down to me, like for me to just, drop down, drop my glove, whether like a righty, they had to turn and drop their glove or like turn the other way. Um, so yeah. So where was I going with the story? What, what I, I have a really good question. Uh, yeah, you talked about how, no, you're good. You <laughs> talked about how you had to play like other positions. Cause like, it, like you weren't, you weren't like, you went from where you were to being the best to going there and being like another person on the team. So you had to adjust. Did playing other positions help you as a pitcher overall and like help you understand like how everything works more? Oh, yeah, completely. Just because like, you know, like I said, like with softball, like small ball is such a big, it's so important. And so like, you know, when uh, if a girl can drop a bunt down and just go down the line, like you you have to like as a lefty for me, I have to spin and throw the ball or I have to like get around it then to throw. Whereas a righty, they just have to pick it up and throw. But for me, I had to learn how to either get to my side to be able to do like a sidearm or get around a throw or I had to like spin really fast and kind of throw on the run. Um, and so literally practicing at first base, like that helped me so much because like I had a problem with always like setting my feet. I would just kind of like not set my feet. So I'd like either fall on the ground or like, you know, the ball would just be flying to the outfield. Cause I, you know, just, I just was trying to get the ball to first base as quick as I could. Um, so like constantly practicing first base and like learning the actual field about like, okay, so ball on the ground with two outs, like, you know, they got to go home if there's a runner on or, you know, ball in the air. If there's a runner on three, they got to shoot home. I got to cut. And that means I got to get my pitcher out of the circle. They need to, you know, back up third base and they need to back up home. So like learning that whole perspective on the field was just so, so helpful for me because I, I was also that pitcher where, you know, if a ball got hit and the runner was on, I would just sit in a circle and just watch it and hope that they catch the ball. But meanwhile, I got to be behind the, the, the plate or behind third base, you know, getting the backup, you know? So that was like, just yeah so it was really helpful like learning different like player p- positions and also like being able to be in that that 
that position and like talking to my second base and okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you got to do. All right. They're, they're going to bunt. They're going to do this. They're, they're going to do that. And like, when you're pitching, you don't have that time. Like you can't talk and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to do when I, we have this out. This is what's going to happen if I get the ball. Like I don't have the time to do that. So like learning that from um, a player's position, it kind of also helped me understand my position players if they were to make an error you know like be like exactly. okay well, I, I, I say, yeah. yeah I understand what they're going through I understand what's going on in their head like okay like I'm gonna give them a break like we're all human you know so well also it shows like different tendencies you do where you did as a pitcher where actually probably may not have benefited the you know your first baseman or your second baseman as well and then when you get to play that position you're like all right I prefer when the ball's thrown here I prefer this I prefer that and then when you go back to pitch you're like all right, now I see why they get mad when I do this, or now I see why they prefer this. You know, it gives you, like, a perspective change. Oh, yeah, and totally, like, also pitching-wise, like I said, when I do, like, the spin and throw, um, I have also a tendency of just chucking the crap out of the ball just because, you know, one, it's happening so fast. I don't know where I am, and I don't know how far I am from my first baseman. So my team calls me the spin and chuck because I like to just spin in and throw it, and my first baseman, they can get mad sometimes if it's, like, super hard. And so also like from that position being in first baseman, like I, I, I like telling my pitchers, all right, you've got time. You've got time. Like take your time, like with throwing the ball or like hard, 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 give me the ball. Like, and so like, I, you know, having that, knowing that and being able to tell like my first baseman, Hey, this is something that works for me. And I know you don't like me to throw a ball a lot. So like, let me know, like yell it out. You I've got time. Or, you know, just be like, if you don't say anything, I know I'm going to just turn around and chuck it. Yeah. You're a little uh, more mature in that aspect just because if I were to ever see a ball get hit to the outfield and they didn't catch it, me as an outfielder, I'd be like, well, I know I'm catching that. So what are you doing? Like, I would, I would just get so mad. I, I'll, I will never forget this. And I actually thought about this the other day. Um, so one of like the best things for me pitching wise was just pick off. I know for softball, you guys don't have lead offs, which is mm -mm. to me. I, oh, really? I could... Well, the field's too small. I feel like, right. Well, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, Base paths in baseball, 90 feet, softball, 60 feet, correct? And 60, then you, yeah. you pitch from 48. 43. 43. You pitch from 43. We pitch 60 feet, six inches. So six inches up, you mean, or six inches? No, like 60, like 60.6. 60 and then I think, I don't know the exact. What's the mound height? It's, it's a little up, right? <sighs> some are, some is really aggressive. Like some is, that's why I like, what I like about softball is you never have to worry about like, mound discrepancy because like your circle is always the same mm -hmm. your flat ground it's always the same you have to worry about that some fields they have turf mounds which are raised a little higher than others some have terrible holes where you push off where you have a legit crater that like you can't get a proper ankle positioning on so you can't push off as hard so i've i've played on some mounds where like it's literally so high that like they're they're doing it because all the pitchers on their roster pitch from over the top so they'll so purpose drops faster. So it, it's literally starting up. Like you'll have a six six kid pitching from a straight over the top angle, and it's coming down from like seven foot six into your little strike zone. So you're just yeah. like I, and especially I I haven't really thought about this, but for baseball, you know, our whole point is with the pitch coming down, you're trying to create a swing that meets it. So that you create it, right? a yeah, yeah, you're trying to create a backspin, um, backspin to create elevation. Softball though, you're already having that natural elevation, so. I feel like slap hitting especially works beneficial because you're already meeting it halfway. Yeah, and you're, it's already, yeah you're yeah. just like slapping down on it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I forgot where I was going. To, oh yeah. With the whole pickoff. Yeah. I don't know how 
you guys with PFPs and stuff with the whole like spin and chuck, like for me, I needed pickoff plays. Like, I don't know how that works for y'all. Do you guys still have pickoff plays, but it's more, more so catered towards your catcher, like trying to catch them off? Cause what's the ruling again? Like when are they allowed to technically leave the base for a stolen base? Once it leaves the hand or once it hits the mid? Wait, I'm yeah, sorry so- to real quick. You, you can't, you can't lead off in softball, but you can still steal, correct? Yes. Okay. So how it works is like from, from the beginning, like, okay, so the runner gets on first base, uh, the, the runner cannot leave the base until I have released the ball. They could steal once I release the ball. So I, so it, it, it depends on every single pitcher because everyone's different. Everyone throws different. So your, your timing has to be great. Like if you, and if you leave early, um, umpire will call it and like, you're out. So like you have to, it's an out, it's an automatic out, but that's, they have to call it. Like if they have to see it and they have to call it. So it's like, you're full on, you're just trusting the umpire that they're going to see it and they're going to call it. So like, it it all depends. And so like, they have to, they have to wait till the ball is released. Now, if I, if I get the ball back, if I'm in the circle with the ball, they cannot lead off. They cannot leave. They can, they can go ahead. They can leave but they cannot go back. So as soon as they step off the mound, I mean, the bag, as soon as they step off the bag and I have the ball, they have to either just go straight. They just have to keep going or I can get them out. So you have, you have a chance okay, of like, explain that to me. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So let's say I'm, I'm let's- trying so hard. Guys, I, promise. <laughs> okay. I, I was kind of, no, that, that's, it was kind of confusing. So, okay. So let's say I pitched the ball or a runner on the base. So they, you know, they, they lead off as in like, they took a couple of, steps after I release the ball they're still off the back the catcher's got the ball they're still off the bag catcher throws the ball back to me in the circle the runner has to go back to the bag if they do not go back to the bag I have if I go here if I don't if I do not attempt to throw the ball they have to just go they have to keep going so but they have to get back to the base before you have the ball in your hand well no they can they can they could stop like they can like say I have the ball and I look at them and they they have to attempt to go back to the bag. Say I have the ball and they stay put and they they don't move. They they have to go. They can't go back because they they've already made the attempt to stop. Okay. And they can't. I'm get, I'm, like, I'm, I'm understanding now. So your lead off is like the second the ball leaves your Pitch. fingers. I don't have to go, but I can like take a couple steps and then go back. Yeah, you I want your secondary steps. lead. Yeah, yeah so take, I was thinking it was like you had to go to the base. You couldn't do like a little step. No, you could take a couple steps and as in like the ball's not in the circle. So like you could be out there, you can mess with them, you could play with them as much as you want. But as soon as the ball gets back to the circle, you have to attempt to go back. You have, you have to, to go commit. back. Yeah, you have to either commit going back or you have to commit to going. You can't stay there. Exactly. Yes. And then but if but say hypothetically speaking, say I if I attempt to like, oh, I'm gonna throw it at you, they are allowed to go back. I have to attempt to throw it's the ball game. at them. It's a little game. It's a little mind game. It's yeah. It's it's crazy. But I mean, like you're in college and like you know you have everyone throws pretty well. They throw the ball around and you you have strategies on how to do get pickoffs and stuff. If you ever get in a pickle, please don't um, pickles. Um, so like you don't really run into that too much, other than like if there's teams that are just really good with trying to get in your head. So yeah. One of the things I guess I was going to ask is you kind of have that discrepancy where like you can take your secondary lead and like stall or like you can come to a stop position. Now, will you be penalized at all from a pitching perspective of like, let's say your catcher, the moment she catches it, fires it back to you and like you just like try to throw it to first as quick as she can or like does the runner still have some discrepancy where they're like allowed a time to like, okay, I can like come to a set position. I don't have to like always read you 100% of the time. Like 
Cause I feel like that may be a little bit advantageous if you were to just like, you know, we're going to go like catch it, wait for the umpire's call, take a second to throw it back. And then like you get set and then randomly out of nowhere, you're like, Oh, catch fire it back. And then you're gonna, just going to spin and chuck as you would to first base. Like how would that work? Um, I think you're gonna have to explain it a little bit yeah, better. I have I'm, no I'm kinda... idea what you just tried to say right there. I sorry, I tried <laughs> really hard, no, no, like... like I did. <laughs> I have no idea what you just sorry. said. Sorry, I'm like, because like from an umpiring standpoint. By the way, I will say yeah. this: I will always umpire a baseball game. I'm never gonna umpire a softball game again. Uh, I tried it. <laughs> so softball. No, I didn't care about the speed, the pace, the rules. The parents at softball games oh, yeah, treat it like they're little no princesses. They treat. Oh, d- baseball parents are understanding. They, like, you're a guy. Like, you can deal with it. You hurt uh, softball dad's little princess's feelings. You, you're, you're meeting him in the parking lot. You're, here, you're hearing some <laughs> choice words. So, but <laughs> I'll try to, like, reword this. But, like, okay, let's say as a runner, pitch is delivered. You take your secondary. You come set. Catcher catches it, throws it back. Kind of like waiting. Catcher catches it. You go back. If you, let's say – catcher throws it back to you let's say you just straight up barehanded and throw it to first right away like what what does she do there like is she caught she's gotta she's either like, she could either go or she could die back like okay. it's the same so thing like we yeah yeah no like i mean players like like, like i said if i attempt to throw to them they have every right to go back okay. they have every right to go back or go like they have that at, at that point they have the choice to go back or not but let's say like i'm in the circle and i have the ball and i'm just staring at them and they're just, dead set not moving and they're off the bag they they have to go like they have to go or i could i mean at that point why would why would i not throw the ball because if they're just gonna sit there so that's the thing so it's just kind of like a it that's the thing you have to remember we're i'm 43 feet it's 60 feet we're all right there so like nobody's trying to do too much nobody's trying to like mess with me too much because i could just i could literally just love the ball and like there's a chance i can get them out so i want to wait i really want to know more about this this parent thing Cause I've been, I've been, to, I've seen the worst wrestling parents. Like I just coached at um middle school states this past weekend, and dude, it's like it, it's insane to me. Like seeing grown men cuss out children and like cuss out like mothers of children. Like it's ins- it's it's just insane to me. And I've seen it in baseball too. Like there's a lot of stereotypical like douchebag dads in baseball, and they all do like the same thing. But in softball, you're telling me that it's. There's like there's bad dads in softball. Like what? I mean, dads, moms, coaches, like they I don't know what it is about like the softball environment that creates such hostility. I just feel like I have never They're been chirping like, at you too while you're umping. Oh, the entire time. And like no here here's the thing. I for me, I guess they're a little lenient because the ball dimensions, but like when I am calling balls and strikes, like First of all, the softball is a massive, massive ball compared to what I'm used to dealing with. I, I'm pretty sure I can see a big yellow ball and where it crosses the plate. Like I, I'm pretty sure I'm able to say like, oh, that was a strike or not. And if it's like an inch off, you know, like, hey, these girls are what, 12 years old? Yeah, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It was an inch or two off. I'm going to give them the strike or I'm going to let it go. And the parents are like, what do you mean? Like, what? Like, you dare call a strike on my daughter? Like, that obviously wasn't a strike. I'm like, all right, yeah, but think about the little girl out there who's, like, trying her life. (laughs) She's literally just now learning how to do a complete motion. Like, they're only learning how to, like, throw throw the ball. They're not worried about throwing a curveball or a drop ball or a rise ball. They're literally just trying to get it into this little (laughs) strike zone. 
Yeah, and not to mention with the slap hitters, their strike zone isn't set the entire time. Their bodies are moving. They're jumping up and down. They're, like, moving around the whole time. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Please stop doing this. Like, And they're like, oh, you – like, the rule you just said with the whole pickoff play, they're like, oh, you didn't call a pickoff. Like, she didn't go back. I'm like, she's 12. I'm pretty sure she didn't even know the pitcher had the ball. I'm like, like you want me to punish yeah. this poor girl? Like, why am I We've the had, There's been a couple of times where I've had, like – in my life I've seen parents or coaches or whatever get like tossed out of the game or whatever but like I was I'm really lucky I got really lucky my my father is somebody who Ron Hobbs he um absolutely can't stand it um when I'm pitching as in he literally his life is just he's so nervous and he's freaking out and he's scared so actually at our softball field for Setson he doesn't sit anywhere near in the stands he doesn't sit anywhere near like anywhere he has to sit in the concession stand like in the way back, like farthest, like way, because he freaks, it's stressful, like it's stressful for him. And so he, he doesn't like it. And he, you know, he gets really nervous. So he can't be anywhere near it. And like growing up when I was playing travel and stuff, you would see my father sitting in right field all the way down the line to the fence, like in the way far back, like basically in the outfield. Because one, you know, whether he was just scared that he would, you know, say something in the moment, like, oh, you know, whatever, and get mad or something. Um, so I got super lucky. I never had parents that were like that and chirpy, but I've been around parents like that and stuff. And I was also really lucky to be coached by a coach who was like, you know, her whole goal, her mindset for us is like, we're respectful. We're going to be, you know, lovely ladies. We're going to respect the game. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy it. This is overall, it's just a game. And so if there was any, any call that was terrible or whatever, like we as players were never allowed to say anything. You were, we were trained and taught and coached to just, you know, let the coach handle it. So like, yeah, my coach has been, you know, tossed out. My coaches, you know, said the whole nine yards and got, you know, umpire spaces, but like us as players, like we were, we never said anything. We kind of just let it happen and watched it go down. So like personally, I, I was never that I was never one of those players, families, vice versa, but um, yeah, it gets really, it sometimes can get really bad. Like, I mean, I mean, you see there's videos on the internet of just like, you know, physical and all the bad words and stuff. But like I, in college softball, it's a little bit different just because like it's a bigger arena and you know, your parents, yeah, it's more professional and parents, you know, have, you know, there's things, but like they've made more set rules now where umpires have to be like, they're allowed to give warnings to whoever they want, like at the field. So parents, coaches, players, all of it. And you get your warning. If you go past that warning or if they, if they tell, if they think that you're enough, they'll kick you out of the game. And so like, I you'll have, get escorted. I have two things to say first. Um, I know it's probably a lot for your dad, but I guarantee you, my mom goes through a lot worse when I get into a cage. My mom <laughs> is. Oh yeah, like, my mom's more scared than I am by a mile. Like oh, one hundred percent. And she's yeah. like, my mom has to get hammered at my fights. So she's just a mess until until the fight is over. My hand is raised. My mom is a mess. Yeah, and she yeah. doesn't even want to be there. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like Phil cannot have a daughter who plays softball because. He is going to be the most stereotypical softball father. That is what I mean from this conversation. If if he has if he has a daughter and he p- decides to put her in softball, um, I probably will never go near him. <laughs> yeah, I know Phil's going to be the dad that they're like eight years old. He has the stati- the statistics on every girl on the other team. He shows up three hours early with his chair. He's got his shirt tucked yeah. into his pants. He already knows he's gonna be eating sunflower seeds. That's the Phil Hobbs effect yeah. right there. No, that he's going to be, be like, 
working his daughter out like at the age of like <laughs> ripe age of five years old like getting her in the gym and she's gonna be lifting I mean I could tell you stories about I mean I I, I appreciate like my family my parents like my brothers like they, they've been they've I mean the support and like the things that they've gone through um and it's so funny because I feel like I've always had like three dads because Phil was always like Lauren you got to make sure you're taking care of your body and you got to make sure you're working out and you got to be doing this you got to be doing that like all right let's get in the gym today like you go to the gym today you go to work out you want to do this you do that so like yeah it's funny like it, it, it's that he definitely will be that father because he was like that towards me and I appreciated it but yeah yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna do a little Phil Hobbs appreciation the whole reason <laughs> I knew that you played softball and everything was last year this is how it all started this whole journey of trying to get you on the podcast last year we were in new orleans for our uh semi-formal formal i don't remember what something like that and oh, good time good time I, right i roomed with phil and then we got breakfast the next morning and everyone's like starting to get hammered like it was just like you know three days drink one second you wake up go to bed and phil's not and i'm like yo what like what's good man what are you doing and he's watching your conference championship on his phone at the bar and i was like what are you watching he's like oh my sister's pitching right now and i was like you didn't tell me you had like a d1 sister i was like let me get her on the podcast and he's like yeah yeah, okay and then that's how it all started because at the remember seeing phil at the bar just in his phone not partying and i was like what is he doing and i walked over to him and he was watching your game and that's how it like all the whole story started yeah, wow. I have a bunch of bad Phil stories too, but we'll keep the good. Oh ones yeah, I mean, I, I we'll could probably beat right you now. on that. I could probably beat you on that. Wow, I mean, I, I do have to say, me and Phil, we've we've had hard times, but hearing that makes me question. Maybe I need to treat him a little bit better. No, <laughs> Be Phil, nicer Phil, to him. Phil needs a good, good kick in the butt every now and then. But yeah, yeah. wow, that's really nice. That was that's really sweet to hear because you know I I know they're very supportive and stuff, but like. You know, and I, they always text in the group chat and check up on me and everything. But wow, that that, that that's really sweet. That makes me feel loved. Wow, I'm glad. Thanks now, for sharing that. that yeah, was nice. of course, of course. Um, but I mean, I I don't want Phil to see this and then start like being all like, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> get a little bit of love, Phil. Okay, get a little bit of love. But completely off-topic conversation. We're gonna go back to something that's we've kind of started doing with the pod. Uh, what would you rate your top five berries from one to five if you had to pick berries? I'm going to pull up a list, though. I want to make yeah, sure there are five berries because we might have to do three. But there's like what? <laughs> strawberry, blueberry, raspberry, blackberries, blackberry, um, elderberry, cranberry. Mm. Ooh, cranberry is a good one. I mean, I, I have my three. We could. Oh, sure. okay. We could. Okay. We could definitely throw a curveball in there. We could add grapes. Let's add grapes into this. Okay. Well, so we want to do five or three? Uh, can you do five? Let's just do three. There's like four. Let's do four. Because so your like, Mount Rushmore, like, we have our, we have yeah, our Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore there's like seven of them that you could like mess around with. So let's do four. Okay. All right, fair. Warren starts off. Oh, I'll start. Right. Uh, you want, wait, who? You yeah, want go ahead. No, you start off. You All start right. off. Top four berries in order from one to four. I'm gonna get a lot of hate, but I'm gonna go blueberry with number one. I'm gonna go Purple. strawberry with number two raspberry with number three and then i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go cranberry with my number four um i think i think cranberry might be the versatility wise i don't prefer the cranberry as the berry i prefer it more as the juice you know usually with an alcoholic beverage but Mm -hmm. if i had to go on straight just berry i think blueberries is up there. I know strawberries are good. My issue is they're a little too big to be that enjoyable, like 
throw them in your mouth, but I'm going to go mm. blueberry one, ras- strawberry two, raspberry three, cranberry four. So, hmm. You know, I'm going to start us off. Number one, obviously, for me, is strawberry. I think one of my yeah. favorite things for Valentine's Day is I make chocolate-covered strawberries um, for myself, obviously, because, you know, we're going we're going <laughs> 24 Day. years. Yeah, 24 years strong, never had a Valentine. <laughs> we're going to keep that going. But that's like my, that's like my go-to. Number two, um, this has nothing to do with the berry itself, just because of the name it brings, uh, huckleberries. Mm-hmm. I tend to think of huckleberry and fin. Huckleberry fin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. So strong number two. Number three, I'm going to have to throw in the raspberry just because it's super sweet. That that I'll go for actual taste. You know, that's solid. And then number four, you know, not – I think just because its name has been misinterpreted, you know, you tend to think of acai bowls, but they're actually like uh, – Yeah. Are they, is it called acai berries? Acai berries. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very under the radar, you know, so – No blueberry. Think, no blueberry. Yeah. You know – I gotta admit, not a not a big blueberry guy. Mm. Not, mm. yeah. I don't Man, don't know what it is. Number one isn't even in your top four. That's what's really good to me. I I must be a crip when it comes to berries because there's just, just there's just no blue around me in, in terms of that. <laughs> well, you'd be a blood or no blood, blood. blood. Sorry, yeah. yeah, blood, yeah. <laughs> and weird how blueberry blood. So I'd have to call it what? Are they even allowed to say? No, no. Blueberries can say beet. Okay, you're throwing me off. Bloods can say bees and Crips can say C's. Bloods can't say C's. Crips can't say bees. But Crips are blue. So they'd have to call them clueberries. Yeah, yeah but you're you, a blood, so you can say blueberry. But they wouldn't eat blueberries. We're in a weird hole here. It's hurting yeah. my brain. Let alone go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, I'm going to steal your acai because acai, I'm going to stick. Yeah, so I'll do number one, strawberry. Number two, raspberry. I love raspberries. Um, and then three, I'm going to do acai berry. I love acai bowls. And then four is going to be cranberry. Don't have it much, but I, I would if I, if I like, you know, ever got them. Yeah. And, and I like, cran- I drink cranberry juice a lot when I'm in fight camp because it's such a good antioxidant for your liver. So it's like really healthy for you. Um, I'm going to throw a curveball in here. Okay. Favorite type of jam. If you're making some toast. What what just one? What what are you putting on there? Because I'm not gonna put grape jelly. I'm a huge strawberry guy when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Huge strawberry guy. Oh, I'm sorry, it's but you don't even have that. That's not even your top fr- berry. Strawberry is my number two. Your two, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm saying grape. I'm just grape goes on my PB and J's. I'm not putting no strawberry jelly in my PB and J's, and certainly if, if I'm putting it in my PB and J. It's already on bread, so if I'm toasting it, it's still gonna stay. So, dude, you can have a peanut butter and strawberry. I've done that multiple. Yeah, times. the Encrustables. Those are the best. Yeah. They're the Let best ones. Going. Let them know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So, peanut butter and Nutella might be a little bit better, but that's not a berry. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say Hazel. We already did our top five nuts, and yeah, Hazel Hazel nut didn't crack. Yeah, we're not we're not breaking down on the hazelnut train anymore. By the way, hazelnut doesn't even count as a real nut. I'm just taking my stand. People only know it. It. people people only know it from Nutella. If Nutella never existed. Who would eat hazelnuts? Realistically, just saying. Anyway, there's definitely like a yeah, village gonna... out there that like survives off of hazelnuts, and you just tried their shit. I mean, hey, come and come and get me. I guess they probably have peanut allergies. I'll just throw peanuts. <laughs> <out or something. laughs> That's funny. Um, 
one Wait, of the let things. Lauren, let Lauren do her favorite jam. Oh, no, oh, I'm going with strawberry. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a, a uncrustable peanut butter and strawberry jelly. See, I like my, this is my this is my stand quick quick rant on grapes. I like grapes themselves. I love eating grapes. I like grapes. I think they're they're okay. I don't love eating grapes. They're they're good. They're grapes. You know, if someone's like, "Yo, here's a bag of grapes. I'm gonna eat the grapes." Mm-hmm. I hate grape flavoring. I hate like any grape juice. I hate any grape like. Really. I hate anything that's like artificially grape. I don't know what it is. It's gotta be like something bad had to happen to me when I was a kid drinking grape juice, and I think I like subconsciously associated with that but i can't stand grape flavoring i hate it's like my least favorite like grape fanta get it away from me i'll throw up like i'll literally like like get like get sick if you bring that near me i i think i'm that way with cherries but i think it's only because i've only ever had like cherry flavored medicine and that shit does yeah. not taste like cherries yeah. i don't like like maraschino cherries i can't do i can't do maraschino cherries but like grenadine and like uh like like shirley temples like that i love those but just like i can't now i agree with you Mm -mm. yeah yeah not not too big on the cherry i think now one thing about grape medicine as a kid you know those like grape tablets like those like medicine tablets they give you that taste like chalk i remember eating those a lot as a kid (laughs) you don't you don't chew them they dissolve in your tongue right yeah oh any any dissolve medicine any like spray bottle we're like yeah we're gonna spray spray this in the back of your throat like oh it's cherry flavored like no it's not that's poison (laughs) you're lying to me um yeah i I i'm honestly just pepto-bismol like the the pink drink i'm not gonna lie i I could chug that stuff if it was like sanctioned if it like wouldn't quantify me as a weird person you might you might (laughs) (laughs) like 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 the first sign that Zach Watson like to kill people was he enjoyed drinking. <laughs> there was the one. I think the only time I ever realistically like made myself more sick is I drank an entire bottle of Nyquil one time, and that was like the like I like don't know why it, like I was so sick, and I was like I have to like have more than what I'm supposed to take, and it'll make me feel better. Did not. No, I think I slept no. for like 20 hours or something like that. So. The that only was medicine great. I can like like munch on is is the melatonin gummies, or 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 the the new kind of tums where they're more like they're like oh like the like mental mixed gum. berries like the mixed berry flavored tums yeah yeah but they look like they look like Mentos like, yeah yeah they're like, like those, the those are gas I can munch on those I'm a big tums guy in general but Me I can too. munch on those I was gonna I'm say a, um, I'm a tums person too. Flintstone gummies always smacked the Scooby Doo. They weren't oh. gummies though; they were like chalk. Oh yeah, no, no, sorry. The Flint, the Flintstone um, vitamins that were like chalky. Yeah. Those actually weren't bad, but the Scooby Doo like gummies. I've had Scooby Doo like medicine gummies. Those I don't know why they had like a brand deal with medicine. I guess Scooby Doo was just like big pharma or some shit at that time. Or maybe I'm just like maybe my parents just tricked me. We're like, yeah, here's medicine. Whatever. Regardless, <laughs> regardless. Um, Back to some softball talk, just because <laughs> I've been I, this has been like on my mind for a little bit. We talked a little bit about the rest and relaxation recovery for softball players. What was kind of your strength or velocity training regimen? Because like you didn't really have to deal with like arm injuries. So you could pitch every day. Was there specific training you were going through? Was it just more so developing your pitches? What was kind of your, I guess, programming kind of bettering yourself as a pitcher 
Yeah. So it's, it's different for everybody. Like, I mean, all, our bodies were all different, but for me, it was like the constant, like lifting every day or like lifting, we lift three times a week off season, three times a week off season. Then we condition to the uh, other five days. And then um, we lift twice a week now during the season. Um, I think it was just like lifting like all the time. Like we were constantly like having max weeks. Um, so that was really helpful, but just like pitching in general, like itself for me was like little tune-ups. Like obviously when you come to college, like they're not trying to change you too much. They're not trying to do too much. Cause obviously like what you have is what worked and why you're here. I mean, there's some schools that do it, but like here at Stetson, like they don't like to change too much for me. It was just like little nooks and crannies. I just needed to fix like, like even just making the slightest minor change in like my like the way I you know took my arm around like that you know speed literally just like snapping off different a little bit harder or kind of using more of my legs or just like making sure I'm clearing my body and getting my my hips through and like my shoulders to its side so I can get my arm through like that was specifically like boom like speed you know increased or you know pitch was moving a lot more so for me it was just like you know, uh, working on making sure like everything feels smooth. We're working through everything feels clean. Um, we watched a lot of film, like we would watch a lot of film, making sure like for me, like also like my drag foot, like the, even the way that you drag that can help you with, um, elevation of speed. So just making sure, um, my drag looks good. I'm using my legs. Like I'm getting my hip through, like I said, like my, uh, spin, um, my different, like, wrist flick and stuff like that so watching a lot of film um doing a lot of drills like whether it was you know we would I mean one one drill like one bullpen that I really like doing is like throwing um 10 pitches of one pitch and then go and do three laps and then going back and then doing 10 of a different pitch and then doing three laps again um that was just like helping with endurance but also just like you know building my legs to really work and like when they're tired like keep them working um so yeah, so it depends for uh, different people, but for me specifically, like that's what helped me the most. Most was just like even also throwing every day, like that helps with um, like increase of like you know my consistency for each pitch and um, my speed. So yeah, you know when you're kind of breaking it down, it's kind of funny because for me, you know when I went from high school to college, I never really looked at pitching as such. I don't know. Did you go as a pitcher or did you go as an outfielder to college? Oh, I went as a two-way. So I started when I first showed up on campus, <clears throat> I was an outfielder. And then I threw my first bullpen in the fall and they were like, oh, you can definitely pitch. So that's kind of how that worked out. But um, the way you kind of broke it down, Lauren, it was like, it's funny because when I was in high school, I never really like thought too much about my pitching. It was just like, oh, velocity was the only thing that mattered. But like you kind of noticed that like jump. Now, I don't know if this was the same for you, but for me, that jump from high school to college, you really started to break down like, oh, are you actually like, like fully using your hips and your motion? Like, are you delaying your arm drag? I actually just got a photo or a Snapchat memory because when I went to driveline, we're um, a version of it back. We had to like break down each muscle was like had its own individual job. We had to make sure each thing yeah, had like cool. its own thing that we had to like go through and stuff like that. So what I kind of want to ask is like when was it for you that you had to like start looking at pitching not totally different but actually like start viewing it from a more like mechanical approach or actually start focusing from a more mental aspect because i know you know you go from like oh when in youth program it's all about just learning how to actually do the motion and just throwing strikes and then 
probably around, I'd say like middle or high school, you start to develop a pitch repertoire. It's like you actually have sequence of pitches and how you want to do it. And then by the time you get to college, it's completely changed. So how was that kind of process for you? And what did that look like? Yeah. So for me, like, I, you know, like I said, it's different for everybody, but I was a little bit different. Like I said, like coming up and like, you know, not being told that you weren't good enough yet and kind of like you need to work on it. Like I had a different mindset. Like I, I was humbled and I was also like, I need to work a lot harder. Um, I'm also, you know, growing up, I wasn't a pitcher that could just fly by you. Like I was a contact pitcher. Like I'm going to get my team ground balls. Like I'm going to hit them to where my players are. Um, so having that mindset and knowing that about myself, like I, I knew that it was already going to be a challenge for me mentally. And like, it was more of like a, I was really mechanical focused, like, and that was one of the big things that, you know, when I came to a Stetson camp and how they recruited me, like, that was the one thing that the head coach saw. And that's what he liked is that, you know, when, you know, when we did this pitching camp, you kind of just like, it's very different, but like, you know, you kind of just warm up your pitches and you just whatever. And then, then they just watch you throw and like, maybe they'll have you do some fun stuff or different activities or whatever. But for me, like from the start, like I'm very like, all right, how I, how I warm up is so important for me. Like, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to do my snaps. All right. Now I'm going to go to my tees. I'm going to make sure my hand is facing me, making sure it's level. It's in, in correct line. And then I'm going to snap it off. All right. Now let me get on my knee. Now I'm going to go around. I'm going to do once around. Like I'm very mechanical, like step-by-step. Step. And that's like how I kind of stood out to Stetson. Cause they were like, I, we really liked how she was very like, let's check all these boxes, making yes, like sure before we throw. Like right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was like kind of for me, like coming in, I was already like that. Um, but then obviously when I came in, like, you know, I was, you know, hitting, I, I, you know, every pitcher goes through this, but like, you know, you're trying to find yourself and, you know, confidence was something that I always struggled with and like mental side of softball was something I always struggled with. So like, um, I just needed that kind of help. And I needed, you know, these, that, like I said, the little mechanical, like, you know, I was wrapping around and that's why, you know, my, my pitchers 57, 58. But then as soon as I cleared it up and I straightened things out, I was throwing 60. It was just like, so it was just making sure of getting that repetition. And I was like consistently making sure I wasn't making that same mistake. So that was like the hardest thing for me coming into college. And like, for instance, like with my back hurting, like it was because I was like, how I start my windup, I was like turning and I was going back like this. But what I was happening was I was going around and wrapping and it was just so, so much unnecessary movement. And then as soon as they're like, all right, let's work on this. Now I go back straight and I go up. And that is just so much, so such a difference. And one, it fixed my back. And two, it, you know, less movement, the more, the faster I can get through. So that was something I always had to work with was just like, okay, now I'm like, you know, I'm hearing all these things from pitching coaches that I had in the past. And it's like, oh, well, I'm coming here. It's like, wow, like this, if only I would have known this like earlier, like, oh, wow, like this is so cool. This works for me. Um, so yeah, so for me, it was a little bit different. Like I needed a little bit more help with confidence and kind of finding myself on the mound and just like little nitpicking, like little tricks. So you talk about the the psychological aspect of baseball. It's crazy. It's like, one of the most underappreciated things in all sports, but pitching in particular is unreal. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's, it's the individual aspect of the team sport and how you can pitch a hundred pitches and you, you can quite literally lose a game from one pitch. You can pitch the greatest yeah. game of your life and then lose on one pitch. You know, we, we relate this. I mean, we've had on um, Jack Anderson, he was a starter for Florida state and now he plays in the Detroit Tigers organization. I don't know if he's, double electrical. I don't know what he is at the moment, mm -hmm. but he's extremely talented at baseball. And we also had on uh, a lot of punters and kickers on our show too. And it's like, wow. uh, 
it's kind of the same mental aspect in a way, you know, where it's like margin of error is so small, but keeping your cool is, is so important. What was something that you started to notice you do very well that helps keep your calm and keep your cool when it comes to those like high stress or freak out or maybe you start the game off with a home run first pitch and you're like, well, I have to still play the rest of the game. You know, like what's something you do there to help your mentor, something you know that you realize you needed to start doing better. Yeah. So something I, I do really well with, and I will, if there's anything I give myself, it's that is short memory. Like I just will forget about, I mean, that's the one thing like consistently that's been happening to me, like all the big teams we played like UCF, South Carolina, Georgia, all those runs that I, that were scored were home runs. They were the long ball. And so it was like, and they were all, they were all within the first to second to third inning. It was all in the first three innings. And after that, I had to like shut it down. I'm like, all right, let's focus. Like I got to pick it up. Like that was the same. So UCF, I had a two run home run and it was a long ball. And I, I think I, there was, I mean, it was an error, but it was only one run, but yeah. So it was long ball home run. Okay. South Carolina two run home run again. I walked the batter and then it was the same thing. And this was all in the matter of like the first and second inning and so this is something I'm actually still trying to work on and still trying to get past that like okay how you know because obviously we just had a whole weekend of playing and it's just like okay so how am I gonna I need to be better within the first the first two the first two innings I need to be better because I'm always I'm I've consistently been giving up this long ball so I've been kind of you know going in my head how am I going to go about that you know it's one pitch and I know I'm just taking off on just one pitch I'm nitpicking and I'm like okay I like my mindset right now has just been like a uh I just need a strike I need a strike but like that shouldn't be my mindset so that's something that I have been really good at was just like okay short memory it happened all right let's move on these these next innings I gotta be better I gotta be better for my team I gotta be better because I know I'm better I know I don't I, I you know can stay focused the whole game so, yeah, so that's what I've been really good with is just like making sure, you know, okay, if I, I took off one pitch, all right, now I need to stay on it. So that's something I need, I'm working on right now, but I'm also pretty good at, but like I need to work on, like I shouldn't let off that one pitch. Um, but yeah, so that, and just mentally like now I'm better. I could say I'm confident that I'm a lot better of like holding my emotions. Like I, I'm not gonna lie uh, when we played, that weekend of, you know, South Carolina and Georgia and Samford and all them, like I was going through a pretty tough time, like outside of softball and I, all my, and none of my teammates knew, but like, I had to obviously let my coaches know mentally, like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not fully there. Cause I'm, you know, struggling with something, but um, I'm, I'm going to be here for the team. Like I'm, you know, still okay. Like, you know, softball has actually been helping me. And they said like, all my teammates are like, we had no idea, Lauren, like you, you, you held your ground. Like you, you kept your cool. Your face was straight the entire time. Um, I like to smile on the mound. I, I like to like, no matter what, if I, you know, give up a home run or if I, you know, walk somebody, if I strike somebody out, like I'm going to, I'm going to sh- show off a smile because like that kind of helps me also stay within myself. Like, okay, I'm having fun. Like overall, this game is just like, I get to do this. Like I get to come out here and I get to play softball. Like not a lot of people get to say that. Like I've made it, like I made it this far. So why not enjoy it when I'm out here? Um, Something that my father is like, said to me and I've like always like I'll I'll, I'll say it around like I, I love this and I have to like keep telling myself it's just like be in the moment don't let the moment be bigger than you so like you know I give up that long ball but okay like I have to stay in it I gotta finish the game like you know I'm gonna I have seven and I have six more innings to throw I have five more innings to throw out of the entire game so long game and I just have to stay within it so a lot of the things you said is a lot of the things I try to say to myself when I'm competing it's like you get lost in this moment of like it's so hard to describe what like the emotions you go through for a fight, but it's like you're the peak confidence you've ever been in your entire life. Like, you know, you've done 
all the preparation, everything you've done. I've trained my ass off. Like I'm the most confident I've ever been, but I'm also the most like, holy shit, I'm about to die at the same time. Like it's like the yeah. peak of both. And um, one thing that uh, Rose Nama Judas always talked about, she's a one of the best female fighters of all time. One of the best fighters of all time um, is enjoy the moment, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the walkout, enjoy the warm up enjoy it like stay in the moment and i am every time mm-hmm. i go to do my walkout i always i'm like i i just say that to myself over and over again enjoy the moment enjoy the moment enjoy the moment enjoy this walkout have fun walking mm-hmm. out listen to your song see your people like enjoy it enjoy the face off like enjoy each moment don't think about the next moment enjoy the moment you're in right now mm-hmm. and as a coach that coaching has really helped my composure a lot so wow. much because when i'm coaching especially like younger kids like i'm coaching a kid that's a freshman or sophomore um, last year I cooked the freshman state champion, right? He's freaking out because he goes down 2-0 in the match and he looks at me. And the first he is going to react based on what he's how you're gonna react. Yeah. And even though I'm freaking out, I'm super cool. Yo, we're good. Frankie, we're all right. We're straight. Let's go. Let's keep moving. And I'm terrified in the inside. I'm like, oh my God, he's got thrown his back, like blah, blah, blah. But like the first thing those kids do when they freak out is they look right at me. And how mm-hmm. I give them the message back is how they're going to respond. So I have to stay composed. I have to just keep my cool. You know, and, and I always had a coach that talked about Anderson Silva. Like, he would get rocked, and he, you wouldn't know because his face stayed the same. His face stayed the same when he was excited, when he got scared, when he got gassed. You never knew what state he was in because his face was so composed. So it's something I've been trying to do a lot. And like I said, coaching has really helped me with it too. And I always tell the kids, I'm like, this moment's as big as you make it. You know, you're going to the state tournament. You could think about all the cameras, all the media, all the coaches. You can do that. Or you could think about it. It's, it's a circle. I'm wearing wrestling shoes, and there's a kid I'm wrestling. You've done that a million times in your life. You know, so it's yeah, the moment exactly. as big as you make it. And uh, composure is the, – the older I get, I realize it's not about how good people are. It's how they hold themselves mentally. You know, and that's mm-hmm. something I'm starting to do now more. Is, like I said, coaching has been such a blessing to me in that aspect. That's so cool. Yeah, I – like I said, like I, I struggled mentally like growing up. But I, I had – I once again, like I just had a great opportunity. I had a great coach. You know, I, I – my parents, like we – we, I, you know, I went to my travel coach and I'm like, Hey, like, obviously she knew I was struggling mentally. And like, that was the one thing I just confidence and just that mental side, like I couldn't focus on the mound. I was having all these struggles and she, you know, hooked me up with a pitching coach that lived in Tampa. So once a week, my parents drove me two and a half hours once a week. And like, that's, you know, something that like my family and we all had to deal with and, you know, make adjustments for to like, help me with this you know and so I drove two and a half hours every week to go and I saw her you know 30 minutes to an hour and she would just help me like whether if it was like okay like let's focus here like it was just like it was so funny because there would be sometimes we wouldn't even throw and it was just like okay let's get on the mound like what do you want to focus on like what do you want to look at like like what's something that'll help you just like kind of stay focused and whether it was just like I'm just going to stare at the plate and that's what I'm going to look at the entire time or whether it's going to be at my catcher's knee, all right, because that's where I want to throw the ball. Like, whether it's like, a, okay, let's look at their glove. Like, that helps me look at their glove. Like, stay focused. Like, whatever whatever it was. And, like, okay, even talking about, like, being comfortable with being, like, don't be afraid to tell people what you need, like, on the mound. Like, your catcher's like, hey, I need you to talk to me. Hey, I need you to be like, come on, like, let's go. Like, let's. I need you to be hyped for me. I need you to, you know, stay composed. I need you this and that. And so that was just such a cool experience that I'm so blessed that I was able to have, like, to be able to, you know, experience a coach like that and to have that because that helped me, obviously, to this day, you know, I'm not afraid to tell them, like, you know, this is what I need in order to stay cool and stay calm. And, you know, yeah, so it's it's pretty in- mental-wise softball is insane. But Yeah, my biggest confidence issue growing up was if somebody, if somebody told me the kid was better than me, he was better than me. 
Like, I, it was done. I lost the match before I even wrestled it. I thought I lost the fight before I even competed. Like, if this kid had beaten this kid who beat me or this guy's dad posted about him all the time, or, like, if the kid in, like, hypothetical was better than me, I lost. I, I gave up. And then, honestly, one of the things that's helped me the most with it has been this podcast, is, you know, us talking to collegiate athletes like yourself, talking to really high-recruited high school kids, talking to professional athletes that play in the NFL or in MLB, you know, levels like that. It's like, they went through the same thing I went through. They had the same yeah. issues mentally. They had the same issues with this. Everyone's the same. Everyone is scared when it comes to game time. Everyone's freaking out. They can say what they want in front of cameras. They can act how they want. Everybody is the same. Everybody gets nervous. Everybody is overwhelmed. Like once you realize that the 1% of the best ever and the people that barely make it are the exact same, it makes winning so much easier in my opinion. Oh yeah. No, I completely agree. Lauren, you, so we started off talking a bit about your personal growth, about how like you were able to develop like the short-term mindset or just be able to appreciate yourself at the moment. And then you started to go towards um, some of the coaches that have helped you develop, not only as like a player, but a person. I kind of wanted to touch on some of the other people, whether it be teammates, family, or even other coaches throughout your career that have kind of helped develop you into the player you are today. Do you, do you have anyone that comes to mind or maybe even the team you're on right now that's kind of helped you take that next step as a softball player? Yeah. I mean, I've honestly, like I've been, I've had it all. Like I've had such incredible coaches and I can't, you know, specifically say one, but I can, I could name all of them. Like my coaches that I have this year, like it's, I appreciate, we have a really young coaching staff. Like my coaches, they're all in their twenties. And I, you know, I, and I played with two of them. Like they were, they were grad seniors when I was a freshman. And I think that's helped so much, like, you know, in a different way than other coaches have just because like, they truly understand what I'm going through. They've been there, they've done it. So like seeing, you know, having them coach, like, you know, where they've been in this, they've been in this position. Like I, I trust them and I see them more than I would somebody, you know, who was, you know, and not saying that this was bad or not, but just saying like a little bit different than having like an older man coach, you know, who's never played college softball, like, which they, they even have helped me and influenced me in so many ways and everything like that. So, yeah. So, I mean, my coaches now, like just mentally, like they're helping me so much because I could go and sit in there and I could talk about absolutely anything. Like I'm telling you, whether it's, I'm having trouble in school, whether I'm having trouble with a relationship, whether I'm having trouble, you know, at, like with my family, whatever it is, like they will just sit down and talk to me. And that obviously helps because like they see us so much more as a person than just like a player, an athlete. And obviously, cause like whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking, whatever's in your mind, it's going to translate into whatever you're doing, like absolutely anything in life. And so like when I step on the field, like I, it's going to, no matter what, like I just have to own it and I, I have to be aware of it, but then also sometimes like let it go and just not let it affect you. So my coaches now, like they're so incredible about that. Um, I, you know, my first ever pitching coach, she was incredible. She was amazing. You know, she helped me in so many ways. I mean, Phil would come and catch me at these, you know, these things like it to a point where, you know, I hit him and I, I, everybody in my family, everyone came and caught me. And, you know, to the point where it got, where I was just, as years went on, I kind of got a little bit better and a little bit faster. And then it got to a point where I'd start hitting them and they were like, okay, I'm out. I'm done. Like that kind of thing. Like, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, my family, I had my first pitching coach. I mean, she helped me so much and she always believed in me. And that was somebody who never truly gave up on me. Um, so that was, she was amazing. And then I, you know, I had a child coach who, like I said, she, she taught me like to be a person overall, like, you know, be respectful, you know, you're going to be coachable. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. So like 
um, and just taught me the game, you know, and ju- not just as a player, but as like a person, when you walk off, when you're, when, when you're in the, when you're in the dugout, like you need to hold your cool, you need to do this, you do that. So like, she helped me so much. And, and then I also had, um, it's actually funny. So I, as I was growing up and doing little league and all that stuff, um, just trying to be a pitch- pitcher, you know, I had, uh, a coach that was one of my friends' moms. She also always believed in me. She had one of a, a college div- division one pitcher come out. She played at FGCU. Um, she came out to one of our practices. I was so excited. I could not believe I was meeting division one softball player at this time. Obviously, I didn't think I was ever going to want to do that. I mean, I I fell in love with her. She was my idol. She was my role model. I was like, wow, this girl's amazing. Her name's Amanda Josie. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, we then, you know, a couple weeks later, maybe might have been months, I don't even remember, we went to go watch her play, like watch the team play. And after the game, you were able to go on the field and they were able to sign whatever you had and all that stuff. And I'll never forget this moment. I was, I was so young. I was so incredibly young. We still have a picture, but um, she, as I went up to her and I had her like, come like sign my ball and my paper and she goes, Lauren, right? She remembered my name and it was the most incredible moment for me because I was just like, oh my gosh, like I couldn't believe it. And she honestly like that made me like, I'm like, I want to be her, you know, I want to do her. And actually, long story short, she actually became my pitching coach growing up and I got to an an older age and, you know, she graduated from college. She started her life and she stayed in Estero, Nina Springs. She actually coached me in high school. Um, And then she became like my older sister. Like, you know, I, I, she was you know, somebody who I can go to about anything, you know, outside, you know, growing, you know, being a girl, you know, you, you run into everything. Um, and I could just talk to her. And so having her as like, you know, my role model and then her being my coach and, you know, having her now as like one of my best friends that I could go to and, um, talk to her about anything. Like she was incredible for me. And so like, if I ever had a problem, I could text her and be like, Hey, listen, I'm struggling with pitching. Like, can you help me or whatever? Like I could, she would be like 100%. Um, yeah, so I, I've had incredible people in my life and, you know, she was, you know, my role model and it was, it was actually, you know, full circle because she was, she spoke, she spoke at my signing, my, uh, signing day, she was spoke for me and, you know, for us. And so it was just cool. She shared that story about, you know, when she first, you know, saw me at the softball field and stuff. So, so yeah, I've, and then, you know, my family, my brothers, they've caught so many of my, and, and yeah, just a lot of people I could go on. I like that aspect. You talk about how you have a different relationship with the younger coaches and stuff. Cause that's something that I know I keep talking about me as a coach, but it's something we take a lot of pride in because our head coach is, you know, coach Joyce. He's 65 years old. He's been coaching for 50 years. You know, he's had hundreds of state champs, national champs, guys that wrestle professionally. Like he knows it all. And then there's me and my buddy Gaynor, who's 23 and 24. So our relationship with the kids works so well because he has infinite knowledge on the sport and he's more like a father figure where me and Dan are more like older brothers to the kids. And we understand how nervous they are before a match because Coach Joyce hasn't wrestled since 1980, 1970. I, I still compete, you know, so I can relate to them with certain things that Coach Joyce can't relate to them to. But he knows more about certain moves and stuff than I probably ever will, you know. So I think that's a very important aspect to success with coaches is having that like mother and then having that like big sister you know like you still respect them like they still respect me and this everything but I'm not they don't look at me as in like a boss telling them to do it they look at me more as like me encouraging them to do it yeah and not only that yeah of course and not only that but like uh, I mean I know 
speaking for you, but this is just kind of from my experience, like also having coaches who are super young and stuff like it's nice because you're also bringing new knowledge and you're bringing new knowledge to, you know, the 65 year old coach that you have, you know, who, yes, he's been doing it for so long, but sports are evolving as we go on in our Every years. Day. Like they're changing so much. And so it's so, so cool to have a younger player who, you know, is in it, who was just in it with the new technology and with, you know, the new evolution. But then you also have somebody who has been in it for so many years. So yeah, like I, it's incredible. I think that's so awesome that, you know, you have an older coach and a younger coach and you guys just like, you know, make the perfect match. Yeah. Yeah. I am not a coach, so I can't speak from any standpoint of coaching anyone. I can say, um, working with younger kids just from working youth camps and stuff like that um one of the things i definitely took away from the first time i did it was you go out there and you think like oh you know you're just gonna have to deal with a bunch of little brats that aren't really gonna respect you and like they don't look at you for anything but you know it was weird because the first time i stepped down there they like looked at me as if i was like a hall of fame player if like i had like been through the ringer and it was like such a weird experience because like everything you say and do is a reflection on them. So like, it kind of like changed the mindset of how I have to carry myself, not only as like a player, but as a person, because like they they always tell you going up through high school sports, they're like, Oh, you know, like what you do now, uh, the next generation is going to see that. And they're going to like imitate their game from yours. And I never believed that I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like you're just trying to get me to like be more respectful and stuff like that, which I understand Like it's good to teach those morales, but it wasn't until like you actually get to college. Like you even told your story about like, how she recognized you and like that made you immediately want to be like her like you don't realize mm -hmm. like no matter what level of play you're at the people that are younger than you that watch you are going to want to be like you if you do it the 100%. Right way. so I I always kind of had to like take that as like a responsibility thing for me because like at first I always kind of did it for myself like I I'll, I'd be the first to admit to anyone like I I was very selfish as a player when I first started like I only did things because I thought it was best for me not necessarily for my teammates or the people around me. I just thought whatever is going to get me the furthest in life, that's all I care about. But it wasn't that's until, like, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't until like I had my first like youth camp or it wasn't until I was put in a role where you actually have to like teach what you've learned to someone else that it's like, all right, it's not about you anymore. Like you actually have to help someone else and like teach them to be better. Like you trying to be better for yourself is going to, at the end of the day, help someone be a better version for them. So like I always thought that was a unique perspective to kind of take on. And I'm glad you brought that up. Another big yeah. thing for me, me was, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it or heard the saying, it's like a boss tells you what to do. A leader shows you what to do. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a kid for me, um, that was the biggest thing for me in the world. Like the coaches I, I still have a bond with today and the coaches that I looked up to and the coaches that I even like would listen to weren't the fat guys that have been around the sport forever that yelled at you and stuff. They were the coaches that when they made us do sprints, they sprinted with us. When they mm -hmm. made us do a hard practice, they practiced with us, you know, because it, it, it gave me that sense of he's never going to make me do something he wouldn't do, you know, and then that's a culture in all sports, not even wrestling, where you have these these old efforts that are like, oh, well, yeah, 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 and they just yell at kids and stuff, and you're like, the reason they're not succeeding and they don't have a relationship with you is because you're being a boss, you're not being a leader, you know, and even today now as a coach, if I make a kid do sprints or I make them do a hard practice, I do it with them. You know, so then you get that relationship. I will never make you do something I will not do. And like I said, the coaches that I'm still close to today and the coaches I have now as my coaches as a fighter, they do everything with us. They practice with us. They spar with us. They do live goes with us. They go and lift with us. My strength and conditioning coach, Shane and Nick, they do my workouts with me. Like 
everything is them showing me cool. not them telling me and i think that's why i have such a great relationship with them and even co- coaches i haven't seen since i was 10 years old like coach santos the guy that introduced me to wrestling when i was eight to this day if i saw him i still have so much more respect for him than some other oh, guys that tried to coach me because he did everything with me you know yeah it just yeah that remind like it just i think about it like my coach is like they'll catch our bullpens like it's so funny they'll, they'll literally get in full-on gear and catch our bullpens and we even like even our our coaches like they they weren't pitchers in high school they weren't pitchers in college and yet, like, I remember, like, you know, my, my one coach, she, who just, you know, this, this is her second year, the one that just graduated and became our coach. Um, she never really knew how to do front toss or like circles, like throwing to our batters. And I remember one day last year, like leaving practice, like super late, I'm always like one of the last people to leave. And she was in this, in the cage by herself, just doing, just practicing, like just practicing long, like going through the tosses and making sure that, you know, she's doing that for her team. And so I just like, you know, seeing that she's not knowing that I'm seeing that, but like watching her, you know, from behind the scenes, like, it's just cool. And I respect that so much. Like these, you know, our coaches will just freaking get in full gear and catch our drop balls, which is like insane. So, I mean, I could never, but so it's just cool. Yeah, I agree. It's funny to hear that because I feel like it's the opposite for baseball coaches because every coach I've had is on like their fourth knee replacement or like their arms blown <laughs> out. Like, they can't, like high school coaches are the high school and college coaches are the epitome of like, you know, back in my day, if like I was good, if I, if I didn't blow my knee out and I'm like, yeah. oh, all right, man. But yeah, but see kinda, what the ghost college coaches do, which smart is and they hire younger assistants. Yeah. Have somebody there that can like relate or do something. See, ah, but I wish that was the case, but like every assistant I've ever had is a kid that just graduated. And anytime we went to him for help, he's like, yeah, man, I would just get like blacked out of practice. I got to play there. (laughs) (laughs) Baseball is different, man. Baseball is so crazy different. uh, All of our assistants, I swear, were there to just like shit on us. And the only way we wanted (laughs) to get better was just to avoid getting shit on. So we would just like play like play above their expectation. Be like, yeah, now you can't shit on me anymore. Like you can't talk trash. But like I... I feel like for baseball, we kind of like built that environment where like we know the sport is built on failure. So like we just kind of like use our failures to motivate us. Like we're not so we're not so stricken on like, oh, like you have to obtain these certain things. It's just like, hey, success is just not failing, if that makes sense. Like it's just like don't try yeah, strive totally. so hard. Yeah, don't strive so hard for obtaining a certain goal. Just set a goal and don't fail it. Like whether you exceed it, blow it out of the water, whatever you do, just don't fail what you set your mind to. And we've kind of always pushed ourselves in that regard. Um, I don't know if you have any interest in coaching in the future. I know you're still in the peak of your playing career. So obviously you have future goals as a player, but I definitely think for you, your mindset um, from what we've heard, at least you could definitely teach us to play some men's beer league softball. We could probably, we should probably start our own. I don't know. I might get too. Play. I might get too pissed and competitive for that. <laughs> Maybe you coach Phil up a little. Tell him not to yeah. be some dumbass. Yeah. But hey, I uh, I actually have to get going to my practice. So, is there any last words or anything you want to say, Lauren? Any shout outs or anything at all? No, I just want to thank you guys. Like, this is awesome. I think you guys are pretty good at what you do, and um, I appreciate you guys inviting me on here. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, we think you're pretty good at what you do. So you know, we Thanks. only have champ. We only have champions on this podcast. Yeah, if you sucked, you right. wouldn't get on here. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I'm on it th- this year, right? Yeah, we're gonna give you a year. We're gonna give you a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
totally, yeah. totally understandable. Well, no, thank I think you guys we actually, so much. I think we talked about it at graduation, right? That was yeah, we first. did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was after our season. So well, if you awesome. want to, if you want to make your way back on this podcast, make sure to keep doing what you're doing. So yeah, I'll I'll make sure I keep winning, keep that the mindset right. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I mean, if you all make playoffs, we can do a quick pre-playoff or post-playoff or on anything. It'd be love to get you back on. We're trying to get as many female athletes as possible. It's just a lot of female athletes don't like coming and talking about sports. It's weird. Oh, well, I mean, I've got two brothers, so I'm not afraid. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah. uh, we will keep in touch with everything. Yeah. Thanks, guys.